We are blessed today to have our Timberline Church Old Town pastor, Darren Fred, to be with us this weekend and next weekend. Let's give him a big hand. Now, I, I got to say, now some of you may know this, but many, many, many of you know, many, many, many years ago that... Is this for me? This is for you. Yeah. Did they give you water? What he did not get... I was his youth pastor. Many, many years ago. This is why this is such an incredible young man right now. Young man, you wish I was young. Old man. Thank you, Brother Harris. He made us call him Brother Harris. First off, a joke. No, first I want to look at you. Wow. All right, now a joke. So did you hear about that new restaurant they opened on the moon? You didn't hear about that new restaurant they opened on the moon? Well, the food is excellent. The atmosphere is awful. You like that? Pass it on. A housekeeping item. We signed a new lease at Timberline Old Town, Everyday Joe's Coffee House on 144 South Mason. So we're staying where we are in case you heard it otherwise for the foreseeable future. A one-year lease with a two-year option. Yeah, we're, we're happy about that. I hate moving. <clears throat> we're in a series now here, and I'm going to join this series called Trip Advisor. Trip Advisor, a web-based uh, Consumer reporting about restaurants and hotels and travel thing, travel stuff, which uh, I don't know if you've used that or not, but a lot of people do. But this is a series about trips that people took in the scriptures. Uh, there is one particular trip that I'm going to be talking about, and it's a it's a tough trip. It's a trip. You ever notice the trips that you remember are the ones where something went wrong, like terribly wrong. What is it about our brain's desire to just grab hard onto trauma? And our brains just, like, remember the time you broke your leg? Um, <clears throat> so, when you go on a trip, you need, I think, two things you need on a trip. Directions and provisions. Know what I mean? Where are we going And what are we going to eat? So for the next two weeks, directions and provisions. Where where am I going? Where are we going? And what are we going to eat? So on the back of your bulletin, a little bit of a public service announcement. There are four sentences there with blanks that, that we will write some words in. We're not going to do that till the very end. And we'll do it fairly rapidly because I don't want you to be what, you know, as we go along, I don't want you to be thinking, oh, good Lord, we haven't written anything down yet. This is going to go on and on. So just 
I just want to eat. I don't want to deal with that. You're familiar with the story of the Exodus, the movie The Ten Commandments based on it? And uh, that's the story we're going to be drawing from today. Now, Paul, one of the first Christian missionaries, wrote a letter to some of the first Christians in a place called Corinth. And he was commenting on that trip. And this is what he wrote. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud. The cloud. And they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. You see this all? Like all. What one did, they all did. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. So when, when, you, uh, when you're planning a trip, what do you do? What do I do? I get out my smartphone, and I put in the address, and then it tells me every turn to make. It tells me how far it's going to be, how far I have to go, which is nice. Back in the olden days, I used to have to look up at the sky and figure out how I was going to get there by the stars. <laughs> I only traveled at night. No, we used to get, we used to have to read maps, like this big, huge map, and you'd open it in the car, and you couldn't even, it would get, it would be like scraping people in the eyes and (laughs) accidents, and we would, we would write down all the roads, all the places we would turn, write it down on a piece of paper. I like road trips. I get lost a lot, less than I used to. Because of the advent of smartphones and navigators. I have a bad sense of direction. My family moved to Colorado in 1978. And since that time, I've had the advantage of the mountains over here. And so I can... Is that what... That was it. Over there. Mountains over there. Over there? Somewhere, if I'm in a... But if I'm outside, I know that's west. And from that, I can, I can decipher two or three other directions. Based on that one. So, but... But if you get, if I get, seriously, if I get out of this state, I, a few years ago, Mrs. Fred and I took a trip to Broken Arrow. Mrs. Fred is my wife. I call her Mrs. Fred. Took a trip to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Broken Arrow is a suburb of the great city of Tulsa. About 800 or so mile trip. I had a, I had a smartphone by then, but it didn't have the, the application that gave you, told you what to do it was a map that you had to look at. It was just a map. And uh, so everything was going swell. We were driving on I-244 East, I believe it was. Less than 100 miles to go. Went through a toll booth. They have toll booths in Oklahoma, lots of them. Two dollars, please. There you go. Thank you. Have a nice evening. Ways down the road, we stopped in at a McDonald's to freshen up. Because it's fresh there. You know, okay, in Oklahoma, the, the interstate, they put their convenience stores and, and like fast food restaurants in the middle, like between 
the lanes, instead of going off on a ramp and going to another, you just, you just like slip off the highway to the, to the left. And uh, so we did that. It's very convenient, but it's unfamiliar. So we, we got to that McDonald's and we went in and did what we did and we came out and got in the car and I made a U-turn, popped right back onto the interstate. Oh, that's what. <clears throat> so, and then we come to a toll booth. And I, you're way ahead of me. Two bucks. Have a nice day. You have a good one too. See ya. Drove another 40, 50, 60 miles and feeling good. And I'm listening to Tom Petty on the radio. I love Tom Petty. Should be getting close to Tulsa, said I. I should be seeing some phone. I looked at my phone and the dot was out in a field with some cattle. But you can't trust those things. And uh, I thought, so I, call, I called my brother-in-law and I said, uh, you know, Tom, not Tom Petty. But Tom, my brother-in-law, I said, Tom, I can't figure out why we're not seeing signs for Tulsa and we're seeing fewer and fewer cars all the time. Then I told him I saw a sign for Enid. Enid, he said, Darren, you're going the wrong way. (laughs) And all the tumblers started falling into place in my brain. You already know what happened. I pulled straight into that McDonald's, but then I didn't, you turned out of it. 60 miles the wrong way near the tail end of what should have been an 800-mile trip. Mm. I turned off Tom Petty. (laughs) My brother-in-law, when he recalls this story, he he refers to it as Boomerang McDonald's. So, and I turned around and I started back, and about 40 miles later, we came to a toll booth (laughs) where I had already been... $2, $2, please. <laughs> and I gave the lady in the state of Oklahoma $2 for the third time. And I said, there you go. Now, and I promise you, I said this to her. I said, now don't wait up for us. We won't be back again tonight. <laughs> and about 20 minutes later, we drove by that McDonald's in the middle of the interstate. I just glared at that big yellow M. <laughs> you ever feel like you're going in circles like, I've been here before. I've paid this, I've paid this toll. You ever wish Jesus would show up in some spectacular way, like a cloud, and tell you what to do and where to go? And you didn't have to worry about missing corners, <clears throat> where this trip is going. You ever wish you didn't get stuck in other people's trips or circles? When I was young, our family had a van, 1973 Dodge Maxi van. That's, a, that's not it, but it looked like that same year. Ours was green and white. There were seven of us, so with mom and dad, there would be nine of us in that van. That's the inside of one of those 1973 vans. And that, you see that cup holder, and then underneath that, it's on a, like a little table. Well, that, that's the motor. It's... It's inside the vehicle, partly. <laughs> and that, and I would, because there were so many of us, 
I would sometimes sit up against that. But not to worry, because there was a thin piece of plastic between me and the engine. (laughs) And my dad would take that thing off because it would flood a lot. And he would be in the van, in the cab where we sit working on the engine, spraying things in the carburetor. And that fan smelled like... So, but we thought it was great because we could all get in there. But when you're in a vehicle together, all going the same place, you share a certain fate. And one day, when I was a young youngster, we went to, uh, we were going to, maybe a Saturday, we were taking a trip to, to an exciting place, a pl- Minot, North Dakota. <laughs> to me, it was exciting because it was a land flowing with milk and honey. And Kmart and McDonald's. And you cannot, I cannot properly uh, communicate to you how exciting it was for a kid from Willow City, North Dakota to go to Minot, North Dakota. So we got in there and uh, I always sat toward the front because the younger you were in the family, the closer you sat to mom and dad. This is the privilege of being an older child in a large family. You get distance. So... Something, we're driving along and we're like halfway to mine and it's 70 miles and something starts going down in the back of the van. I don't remember what, a fight I suppose, if I had to guess. But the grumbling or the fighting, whatever it was, made its way to the front and drew my dad's attention. He said, that's enough of that. And it wasn't enough for them. And they kept it up. (laughs) And my dad says that they should knock it off. Only this time he says it with a warning. If it doesn't stop, we'll turn the van around and go home. And now this confrontation matters to me. But it doesn't stop. And my dad, he warned them a few times. And finally my dad stops the van. And he says, that's it. And by golly, he turned it around. And we went home. All of us, we all paid. And I didn't do anything. I was just, you're on somebody's, you know, it's a trip. And you share fate. And a... And I was just sitting there and I talked to my mom about this this week and she felt so bad. Oh, Darren, that was awful. I'm so sorry we did that. And you were all bawling. Well, I said, who did it? She said, I don't remember, but I'm so sorry. I said, Mom, it's okay because I remember that trip and it's useful for a sermon this weekend. <laughs> so it didn't, it didn't seem fair that we all had to go home. I learned something that day. I learned that when you are riding in a van with eight other people, you don't control much. I learned that one's journey is affected by the actions of others. Once upon a time, some people took a trip together that lasted 40 years. They didn't travel in a van. They traveled under a cloud. Up in that cloud... Somewhere above it was God. And down below were people called Israel, though they weren't called that yet. They were slaves. For 400 years, they were slaves in Egypt. They were Abraham's descendants, but they got away. They got out of Egypt, and the story is written down for us in the second and third books of, of the Bible, mostly. Exodus and Numbers. They were headed for a place called the Promised Land, a place with a Kmart and a McDonald's. Milk, honey, 
Freedom, you ever been on your way somewhere where your dreams will come true? And they all traveled together, thousands of them, maybe a million or two. They all followed the cloud and Moses led them, but it wasn't Moses' idea where to go. God gave the directions. It was the cloud. Once in a while, the cloud had a meeting with Moses. Sometimes the cloud talked. One time, the cloud got between them and some people who wanted to kill him. The presence of God. Direction. Exodus 13, 21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light. So that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Exodus forty thirty six. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night. Fire at night. Direction. Presence. Numbers nine twenty one. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning. And when it lifted in the morning, they set out, whether by day or by night. Whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. We asked God, where, when? They didn't have to ask. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they They encamped, and at the Lord's command, they sent out. And so it went. The cloud kept them together, gave them directions, took them somewhere. But the story goes that some kids in the back of the van started to mumble and fight and cause problems, got bitter, didn't like the way the trip was going, didn't like the new direction of the congregation, didn't like the food, didn't like some of their traveling companions, You ever been stuck on a trip with someone who listens to stupid music? (laughs) And always or always wants to eat at that place. They did and they decided they didn't like where they were going anymore. And they took to grumbling a lot and the fighting and bickering started to work its way through the whole van, through the whole bunch of people traveling with Moses. It got real bad. And just before they got to Minot or the promised land, dad stopped the van And he turned the van around just before they got to the promised land. God turned them around and they drove in circles for 40 years. Bummer. And what's the lesson? Is it that God gives people directions? Well, in this story for sure, clear directions. Sometimes. What's the point? Whether you're headed from Minot, North Dakota in a van full of people or in a caravan of ancient people headed for the promised land, what's the point? The point is that we travel together, that we share fate, like it or not. I want to follow Jesus, but I don't really want to be with you. (laughs) Well, there are lots of great churches in Fort Collins. You don't always get to pick the music or the restaurant. Sometimes we like where we're traveling and who we're traveling with, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes you get to pick your companions. Sometimes the universe picks them for you. 
And there you are in proximity. Here we are in this room together because we decided to follow Jesus. This is the trip you're on. Sometimes you end up in a van sitting next to a man who eats a lot of Taco Bell and farts regularly. (laughs) I'm sorry, Taco Bell, I love you. I really do. I eat at least a bean burrito once every two weeks. It's a very economical and protein-rich meal. Sometimes when you travel together, you get, to sit, you, you get to sit next to a pretty girl who puts her arm on your substantial bicep, and you fall in love. And I saw that happen on a trip to Missouri in a van full of people in 2007. Sometimes someone else fails or sins or misses a corner. And the whole van full of people loses time and experiences pain. Sometimes I fail or sin and the whole trip gets to going in circles for a while. God's people travel together. We travel together. What does it mean to travel together? Does it mean we vote the same? Does it mean we like the same music? It means we love each other. It means we try hard to understand each other. And that we give each other grace. I have a poor sense of direction. Some of you don't. I need you. (laughs) And sometimes we have pretty decent fights about what should matter the most. But what did Jesus say matters the most? Love each other. What does that look like? I think we're supposed to love each other and remind each other who we are, try to figure out how the kingdom of heaven can break into this world and how we can help with that. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we waste time going in circles. Sometimes we fight the wrong battles. And that's why we need to travel together. To call out to each other, sometimes to yell at each other, keep each other out of the ditch. I need help. So do you. Sometimes I want to travel alone. Sometimes you want to travel alone. We are the body of Christ. Key takeaways. Now, let's write a few things down. Number one, sometimes we go in circles. There are times in all our lives that we go in circles, and sometimes that doesn't mean we did anything wrong, it's just life. Sometimes it's because I was stupid. Sometimes it's because someone else was stupid. Sometimes we have to pay the same toll more than one time. What are we learning? How am I different now? Who am I blaming? Number two, what happens to one of us happens to all of us. I think I get in this place too much where I feel uh, if it didn't happen to me, It didn't happen. There's so much going down all over the world. And with believers too. Churches that get burned. Christians that that get killed because their skin's the wrong color. And and we get compassion fatigue. or, Or we just distance ourselves. And sometimes, if it didn't happen to me, it didn't happen. Scripture says, when one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. And when one of us suffers, All of us suffer. Sometimes when someone else is rejoicing, I get jealous. (laughs) 
Sometimes when someone else is suffering, I don't want to be around them. I don't want to think about it. We cannot get overwhelmed and we cannot obsess. And we need to be careful about being jealous. But I do think that the, that the gospel says, stay awake, brothers and sisters. Pay attention. We are entangled in the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And if we want the benefits and the blessings of the cross and the resurrection, we need to be willing to say, I am part of this body of Christ and I will seek to be empathic. I will, I will be thoughtful about what it's like to be in other people's shoes who came from different places than me. And I will enter into it to a degree. It's like Solomon Burke saying, And there are people still in darkness and they just can't see the light. If you don't say it's wrong, then that says it's right. We got to try to feel each other. Let our brothers know that we care. Got to get the message, send it loud and clear. None of us are free. None of us are free. None of us are free. One of us are chained. None of us are free. That's empathy. That's the entanglement. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Number three, we want clear directions. I want an 11-foot Jesus to show up and tell me what, when, where, and who. I want a sign. I want step-by-step, like the cloud and a voice in the sky. We say we follow Jesus. Well, tell me where to go. Tell me when. Tell me who. Make it clear like the nice lady on my navigator. But maybe it's just as powerful or more that Jesus said, I'll go with you. I'm going to say something that might sound a little provocative. We say all the time, I follow Jesus. But, but it is also true that Jesus follows us. Lo, I'm with you always. When two or three of you are gathered in my name, I'm in the middle of it, kiddos. That isn't a license for a reckless life. But it's a promise of presence. And maybe it's more powerful that Jesus says, uh, you, you know, I know you're going to miss some corners. I know you're not perfect. But I want to go with you. I want to shape you. You know, I, wanna, I want you to evolve. And I will be with you. <clears throat> Jesus joins us. Number four, we may go in circles, but we don't have to go in circles alone. There is a, uh, yeah, isn't it better when you're on a bad trip that you have company? (laughs) Then it becomes a story. Boomerang McDonald's. I remember when I was a kid, it was like wherever I went with my dad, I knew I was okay. You know, like I just felt safe. I was at a funeral here, over here at Timberline a couple weeks ago for a man that a lot of us loved a whole bunch, a man named Bob O'Dell. And Pastor Derry said something at that funeral that made sense to me, that rang true. He said, wherever we were, whether it was in Chihuahua, Mexico, laying block, or in the Rocky Mountains chasing elk, if you got in trouble, if Bob was there, you knew you'd be okay. You'd figure it out. You felt safe. Who are you traveling with? Don't go alone. I know 
Jesus said he's with us, but he also said, get a couple people with you. Then I really am with you. Don't go in circles alone. Let's pray. Let's, let's, let's just pause for a moment. We want wisdom. We want direction. Holy Spirit, you're here. You're in us. You're amongst us. It's a mystery. We are entangled with each other. We don't even know each other, but it matters. There's a ripple effect. That we don't. We think if it didn't happen to us, it didn't happen. Or if, if I do this, it doesn't matter. But we are entangled. We are your body. I pray for people who feel like they're going in circles and have been paying the same toll. And there's, there's self-condemnation. There's bitterness. Speak peace. Show them how you see them. Show us how you see us. That we may be at the same toll booth, but we're not the same person. Um, make us people who are empathic, not so rigid, thoughtful. Because the body is diverse. Help us to love each other.